Welcome to another episode of CNET Book Club, the show where uh, Scott Stein and me, I'm Dan Ackerman, talk about uh, books that we like with interesting authors. And I'm super excited to have Josh Frank here, who has a very interesting book slash graphic novel. It's called Giraffes on Horseback Salad. And it is a graphic novel representation of a screenplay Salvador Dali was working on for the Marx Brothers. Yeah, believe it or not, uh, there is a history between the Surrealists and the Marx Brothers. And Dali wanted to develop this film with Harpo and with the Marx Brothers. And thankfully, this project has been discovered. Uh, the pieces have been resurrected. And this book exists, uh, which is nuts. And, um, and we're here to talk about it. And I have, a, I have so many questions about this. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm super excited that the book uh, is finally come out this week. Uh, six year endeavor uh, that uh, hundreds of times I thought we would uh, not make it to this day. Um, uh, it was a labor of love and it's here now. And um, you know, the greatest part is that people are responding in just a very loving and excited way when they get their hands on it. And um, that was my main you know, hope and uh, but fear, you know, that like uh, I would be given this, you know, monumental uh, gift of an opportunity to be the guy that does a new Marx Brothers movie, basically, and uh, that I would create it and uh, it would suck. And it didn't, you know, and and even more so, I was hoping that people would at least just kind of buy it, you know, not buy it as in buy it, but buy the buy concept, the concept. And uh, uh, that, you know, that that was surpassed by people loving it. So I'm very happy. Yeah, just this hidden history concept, like there's some really cool pop culture thing that you didn't know about mm -hmm. that someone can now elaborate on and have such interesting characters built in, real life characters like Dolly, like Harpo, who is always the most interesting Marx brother to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think really just hooks people and to do really good nonfiction. This book is half nonfiction and half uh, an illustrated, a graphic novel version of of the story of the film, which was never made, uh, you know, that that's how you get people. And I, I almost love the beginning half even more because it tells the actual history of how this came together and how you researched it and how Dolly and Harpo would hang out. Mm -hmm. well, it's great that there's also sketches. The original sketches are in the back and mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a document to it at the beginning and end. Uh, and then in the middle, you have all the, uh, all the writing, the illustrations and, uh, Manuel, who did the illustrations, you writing it, um, working with Tim Heidecker, which I'm fascinated about that connection, too, because uh, Tim and Eric and all their stuff, I've, I've enjoyed a lot. So um, and I didn't even know about the the gift that Dolly had given Harpo that you bring up in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the surrealist harp, the surrealist harp. Yeah. Right. And um, and their connection through painting. Mm -hmm. That was like a huge, you know, uh, mind blowing discovery for me that even the the most uh diligent marx brothers fan actually might not know um i did my first uh uh event at uh, in dc at politics and prose and when i when i said did anyone know that harpo painted there was about 40 or 50 people there and i'd say maybe half of them were there because of the marx brothers and were lifelong fans nobody raised their hands nobody knew that harpo actually painted on and off for his whole life and took it very seriously. So how did you connect with uh, the Harpo, uh, you know, with the Harpo story and like, and, and, and connected to the Marx 
Yeah, how did you discover this as a as a historical artifact? Well, I grew up loving the Marx Brothers. I was one of those weird kids that was like eight, nine years old and would dress up as Groucho or Harpo every uh, switch off Halloweens, you know. Um, and so I loved the Marx Brothers when I was a child, and particularly Harpo. And um, and uh, you know, I was a young collector of all their all the any book I could find, any any posters. And uh, so, you know, when I became an adult and I, I started getting into this idea, uh, I started developing this writing books, uh, you know, historical fiction, nonfiction about lost histories. You know, obviously, um, my tendency was to when when I was in between projects, search out um, things from my favorite, you know, from from the people that inspired me the most. So, you know, every once in a while I'd look, you know, and try and dig up stuff on James Bond or the Marx Brothers or uh, Werner Herzog or, you know, just, you know, like in order to see if there's some story that I could sort of do something with, you know. Um, and uh, one of the things I would do regular, regularly is look through lists of like, the greatest movies never made, the greatest novels that were never finished, the greatest uh, characters that almost were uh, on in this Broadway show but weren't, and then they, you know, just like finding these, uh, peeling the onion layers off and finding. And so all of these lists um, that were talking about uh, lost movies, um, they all had giraffes on horseback salad on it. And I actually had never really, I had, again, I think I had heard that, you know, Dolly was, because of surrealism, was into the Marx Brothers and that he had wanted to do something with them. But I really had never really focused on the fact that he actually had a title for it or even that he had some writing about it. So, you know, after I saw it on so many lists, I was like, there must be something. Because, I mean, if it's on all these lists, there's got to be something more than just what's online that 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 these lists come from. Because each list talked about it. Some of them had slightly different wording about, like, what the story was or who the characters were. And so it's like, well, where are they getting this? And, you know, so I dug deeper and I found that there were some sources online that talked a little bit about the story. And from there, I decided to just peel away even more layers to get deeper into well, where, if they're getting this from, from one source, maybe there's more behind that source that just hasn't really been seen for one reason or another. And what I discovered is that the reason a lot of it hadn't been seen is because it was either in French or Portuguese and it was locked in a museum in France. <laughs> so by reaching out to that museum, I was able to get some of his original handwritten pages, a number of which had yet to be actually transcribed uh, fully or published. And um, when I got them translated to English, I realized there's more material there. And, you know, you had mentioned loving uh, Tim and Eric. And, you know, early on in the process, I, I was adapting these notes into a screenplay. Uh, and uh, whenever Dali would intend for there to be Marx Brothers stuff happening. He would write a couple of totally insane gags of his own, like Dolly versions. Mm. <laughs> um, my favorite one is one I didn't even put into the book because I just thought it would scare people. Um, is that uh, is uh, Groucho dancing the tango with a woman and her cheek keeps bumping into his, so he takes a spoon and scoops her cheek out and uh, and then you know holds her even closer. Um, so 
Uh, that was crazy. I mean, that does fit in with yeah. the surrealist uh, early filmmaking. I mean, that, it, yes. that seems like it would. Uh, that's very messes it, in the afternoon, right there. Well, so yeah, so that was his attempt. But then wow. even he knew that he couldn't write good <laughs> Marx Brothers jokes. So, so after that attempt, uh, there was always that attempt, which was something crazy like that. And then below it, it would say, "Insert Marx Brothers mayhem here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was translated, right? So I read that. I was like, oh, okay, that's where I need more material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the idea of, you know, I could try and tackle a lot of this myself, but, you know, I, I don't want to have too many delusions of grandeur. I am making a new Marx Brothers movie, but there are definitely people that are probably more qualified to the real deep Marx Brothers uh, wit. Um, and um, But I didn't want to, like, go... I wanted to be able to go classic, but I also wanted someone who had their finger on the pulse of today, because I wanted people today to be able to dial into that. So my friend Black Francis from the band The mm-hmm. Pixies, uh, uh, I, I, re- I remembered he had a lot of comic friends, and I, I re- texted him and said, who, who do you think is one of the great co- you know, comics of today that might be interested in working with me? And he said, how about Tim Heidecker? And I didn't actually know too much about Tim. I mean, I knew he had this show, and I knew it was really weird. So I went and watched more of it because I'd only seen it in passing. And I was like, well, this is nothing like the Marx Brothers, but this is a lot like Salvador Dali. Mm-hmm. So maybe this guy can fuse those two things. And um, I reached out to him really thinking he wouldn't go for it because it's so out of his wheelhouse as far as the different type of comedy. But he, I, I discovered he's just a very interesting man and a very smart man and a very business-minded man. And he makes choices, though, um, uh, from a from a, a point of business, but also from a point of who he's working with and the original ideas that are brought to him, you know, that are different. And I think he found this so different that it was oh, yeah. something he wanted to try. Well, and like they do some stuff that begins to border on that vaudeville mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking about the Tim and Eric bedtime stories. Mm-hmm. There's an episode where they're in, the, they're in a bathroom mm-hmm. and it's with uh, Zach Galifianakis and it's kind of like Nightmare Marx Brothers. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, is it, yeah, where they're moving around doing this sketch that makes no sense. And I kept thinking about that. Um, that That's fascinating. So he created yeah. the humor, like the like Marx Brothers wackiness. He like infused that. gags and, uh, and, and zingers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, along with a couple of his friends that he brought in to the Tim and Eric studio. And we did sort of a round table. We put- Like my, a writer's room. Yeah, kind of and he kind of directed it and we kind of played off each other. Like based on, in a way, on how the Marx Brothers would take jokes around, you know, to test them out before mm-hmm. uh, putting them in the movie script. That was sort of our, our crash, crash course of that. And it was super interesting. And you're, you're so right. It's like, uh, it's like the horror film Marx Brothers, like some of their stuff. And, and that makes sense because, you know, um, if you watch some of Dali's early movies, like, um, like the ones he did with Bunuel, like that's absolutely what it is. It's horror comedy mm-hmm. is, is really like if you watch uh, 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 Unchain, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like particularly that part where the man is like being very aggressive towards the woman and she she pushes him back and refuses him and then he he grabs like ropes and he starts pulling them across the room and he's dragging a piano and two pilgrims it seems and the pilgrims yeah. kind of are looking like what's going on and it's hilarious and i you it's it's laugh out loud funny and then the second later he's got ants coming out of his finger you know and it's like it's like that switch from sort of disturbing to funny and they do that and um dali i think really 
saw that. And I think the Marx Brothers as well, that was part of their um, that was part of their cocktail. It's like they would make you laugh, but they'd also be like destroying things. There's a real darkness to yeah, a lot of it. You yeah. know, I, I've always loved the Marx Brothers as, as well. And I made my my wife and my son watch a couple of movies, I think, last year. Uh, I thought it, you know, I thought the pacing really held up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, great. I just made him watch, uh, I'm continuing the trend. I just made him watch The Thin Man, mm -hmm. uh, which also really holds up. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's something about the pacing, mm -hmm. I think, that that keeps it feeling so fresh. But there's a definite darkness to, to everything they do mm -hmm. uh, with the self-destructiveness, self-destructiveness, mm -hmm. the just bad naturedness of it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, and also like the pain, like, I mean, uh, a, a scene that affects me a lot is the, the scene in um, uh, A Night in Casablanca, one of their less known ones. I mean, Harpo is getting beaten by, uh, by uh, and, and, and uh, abused by his boss. Same with uh, A Night at the Opera. I mean, he's, he's literally beaten, you know, like by, uh, by the opera singer, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's violent actually, you know, and, but, but through that and through the, through the childlike whimsy of Harpo, there's also this, um, it, it creates that, uh, you know, Harpo is our hero. And when he starts tearing stuff up, like, you know, he's, you know, and, and, and making this, this angry, violent man, a buffoon, and, you know, it's such a comment on society. It's such a comment on the violence of society. And, and, and that's what makes the comedy work, you know, especially the heart. You know, the fact that they, we, you immediately care about this, this, this silent character. And, you know. So. I mean, in a way, he's the most accessible of them. Yes. Uh, even though he doesn't speak mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, uh, uh, Groucho and Chico are, are little, they're, they're almost twin sides of... They're almost Trump-like in a way, always sort of upselling stuff and mm -hmm. trying to get something over on you, uh, whereas Harpo is is sort of the innocent. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. The others are always coming up with an angle, and and Harpo is um, either trying to cheer people up or, um, or you know, destroy them uh, through... Uh, through um, silliness, yeah. Now, what what was the state of the when you finally put together everything that Dolly had on this on this proposed film? What what shape was that in? Was it a synopsis? Was it uh, was it twenty pages? Did it have a lot of specific characters and character names? Like, how far along had he gotten? So, have you heard of the program Scrivener? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I love I Scrivener. Yeah, I love Scrivener. I've used it for. Our, um, uh, my last three books. What I love about it is that you, we, it makes you feel good about the little material you have, you know, <laughs> because you break it up into these different sections and parts and pages and chapters and, and you have the, the sub thing that, that you can put the description of what the overall is and then, you, you know, you can start building it. And so I, I actually, Scrivener was incredibly helpful on this one because I had so many different elements from different things, from articles about Dolly's life, hmm. from articles about Harpo's life, uh, uh, the actual transcribed notes of dialogue to the actual transcribed notes of action and descriptions of scenes. And so I use that to build my template for it. Um, and... 
and, and to build up my material and where I saw that I needed more material, you know, that's, that's what I did. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I finally had all that organized, cause you know, the notes were in no order. So it would describe how the, how the movie ends on page three and how it begins on mm. page 23, you know, and then in between would be total, you know, just lots of different. So once I had all that organized and I stepped back, I was like, okay, there's the beginning and there's the middle and there's the end. And this is this character's arc. And this is this character's arc. And that's when I realized how I could tell the story and really see what, you know, I, I can't guarantee this is what Dolly would have exactly done, but I feel like it's the closest you're going to get, not just to what Dolly would have done, but what um, Irving Thalberg mm -hmm. would have allowed. So Thalberg, there, there's you know, a, an element of commercialism to it. Yeah. yeah. Like Thalberg would have seen what Dolly had wanted to do and he would have said, okay, we're taking the spoon part yeah. out. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, this is how it'll play. and there's going to be singing numbers and, um, you know, the love story needs to be clearer and the characters need to be fleshed out. And that would have all happened if Thalberg had have been there, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so that's sort of, that was sort of my working process and it was incredibly fulfilling process, you know, because it was so neat to feel like I was like working with Dolly and Harpo like in a collaborating way. across, across time. time. Yeah. And, you know, it was one thing if like this had been unauthorized and I, you know, like I was just, you know, just uh, winging it. But, you know, I I was under the the uh, friendly and encouraging but watchful eye of both the Dolly and the Marx Brothers mm -hmm. estate. So there was a really high watermark there. And so, um, so I really tried to keep it, uh, you know, that, that was also part of the authenticity was, well, you know, these guys have approved this, so I'm going to do the best to, to make, you know, what, what each of their estates, you know, know that these guys would have come come up with or come out with, you know. So, and I think it's a tribute it, to it that it feels so organic and it yeah. feels like the actual the actual item. Yeah, it also feels to me like I, I thought about Jodorowsky's Dune. Mm -hmm. you know, I was looking at this mm -hmm. like it, like impossible objects, where mm -hmm. you know that was a another anticipated project, and you watch that documentary and you think it it. It's fascinating. It's 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 broken. It's miraculous, and it feels like you, you know you want to be there, but you can see how hard it is to get there. Mm -hmm. And there's like it feels like reading this. It's like a impossible object. It felt like to me mm -hmm. where you know it's it's this thing that I wonder how it could ever be adapted. Mm -hmm. And in its form, it shows like the. I felt like it it builds the story, but it also shows the shards of it. Yeah, where it's yeah. where it's um it's as crazy as the treatment that you also share uh, of what Dolly had been discussing, yeah. which is the thing that they're like, okay, what do we do with this? Yeah. But I think it's fun because it inspires, um, it's fantastic because I felt it inspires me to learn more about the histories of, of both artists mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or both sets of artists and, and kind of expand from there versus feeling like it's a completed project. Like it almost feels like an open-ended project, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, even though it's, it's done and it's sitting here. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope that the film studios out there see that as well and see what they can do with it in the future, because I would love to see it as a movie someday, you know, even, I think as, even as an animated, animated film. Yeah. That's animated. totally what yeah. you would think yeah. of. Yeah. Like I, I feel like it, I feel like we've, we've, 
we've left it in a place where it's 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 ready should that time come you know like that was my goal really was right. was to get it as close to being the done the made movie as i could you know to to show that it's a good movie you know for, for you know in in its context and that's why we went out of our way in the last 3 months to record a soundtrack for it, which I don't know if you knew or if you've seen. I, I haven't heard it. I uh, haven't heard it either. Well, but yeah. I saw that you were, uh, yeah, I saw so that it exists. We, three months ago, reached out to an old friend of mine who's a composer. I said, hey, in three months, could you write me a uh, Cole Porter inspired soundtrack for my movie book? And he did it, man. In Japan, He lives in Japan. He got a whole big band together. It's beautiful. It's more than I ever imagined. And we got a record deal with like a, a honest to goodness a record label, and it's going to come out this summer. So not only is there the book, but there's the entire unmade movie soundtrack. And so I, I'm just very and, and as I was saying to yeah. you out before, just all the people that have come together to help you know, build this little city of ours that is giraffes on horseback salad. It's just been so amazing, like the inspiration that people have gotten from what I started and they've created their own art out of it. It's sort of created this whole little universe, kind of like the Dune, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that you mentioned, you know, and you know that, uh, you know that uh, Dolly was involved in that. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. yeah, so that's like, yeah. there is, a, yeah. And artistically, there feels like a lot of, Connection. You've totally got to get Tim and Eric and Zach Galifianakis to <laughs> to make this film. Oh, to be, they could be, be the Marx Brothers. To be the Marx Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Just continue that insanity. Yeah. They also did that. Like, didn't they do like a vodka ad at one point? They did like a film about vodka. Mm. It was like sponsored, but it was the most bizarre mm. project that also was like a. Uh, a, a, a that's not a hallucination, right? But. Um, <laughs> But I feel like, yeah, you need it. It, it does seem like it could come to life yeah. in this improvisational way yeah. um, with that world. Also reminded of Terry Gilliam a bit, like mm -hmm. it's yeah. sort of the, the dream world. But yeah, and it seemed pretty timely. For, and, and I'll say this is one of our favorite types of books in that it works best as a physical, real book. I loved how you said that in your last thing. Right, you know, right. Like, we went yeah. over some holiday books and we, we picked out books that we thought, you know, you really should get in physical yes, form. Yes, Um you know, not just because the royalties are better, but because people really still want physical yeah. books. Yeah. Yeah, it's and beautiful. this is a great example. I mean, the graphic novels in general, but especially yeah, right. one like this that has so many great illustrations, even in the prose parts of it, yeah. where you're talking about the background of the story. I and feel like it's a piece of art. Like, I'm that's what I'm most proud of. Is absolutely. This, is that it, it's like, I'm proud that like, you know, it's not just, oh yeah, it's a book that you can read and then get rid of. No, it's 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 an object. Yeah, it's, you an, know? it's a bookshelf yeah. book. It's yeah, a coffee yeah, table yeah. book. It's a book you'll keep. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited to have discovered it last year and I'm yeah. super excited to be talking to you about it now. Well, I have to thank you in particular guys, because you were the first, you, you christened my book you were the first ones to mention it, like in sort of a major way, like online. Um, and, um, you've been with me since the beginning actually, oh, wow. and you were really the, the, the early champions of it. So I really appreciate that. Thank the fine folks at, uh, Quirk Books who were, uh, hawking copies at New York Comic Con. Yeah, in the fall. I know. Yeah, no. And, and the book would well, not have turned out like this if it wasn't for for Quirk. I mean, yeah. yeah. And they do so many great projects like this. I, I think they're really fantastic. But seriously, a book I want to look at again, because it's almost too much to take in the first time. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. art is so great that I think you want to go back and yeah. pour over it and think about it. So it's it's a great document. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. You. It's called Giraffes on Horseback Salad, 
Uh, starring the Marx Brothers, screenplay by Salvador Dali, and it is out now in March of 2019. Yeah, yeah. And I'm on, I'm on a big book tour around the country where I'm doing a really cool special sort of mini one-man show thing about the book and the making of it and Dali and Harpo and going to a bunch of cities for that. So our website has all the info. Cool. And the website is? Uh, the website is horsebacksaladbook.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Josh Frank. Thank Fantastic. You. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming we on. We will uh, see you next time on oh, CNET Book Club.